Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. Let me ask you the question, is there passing at road courses? My initial response or thought is, I don't believe there is. But let's look at the data before we jump to that conclusion. If we have that answer, it can lead us down several routes and help us make different DFS options at DraftKings. But before we get to that, let's at least just look and see, has there been passing at road courses and we won't look in general. We're just going to look at the most recent races. You're going to look on your screen at the, and yes, this is Dungeon Series Podcast. If the noise becomes unbearable and insufferable, all you got to do is just click somewhere else and go to another website. It's pretty cool how that works. Whatever you're going to stick with, we hit that like, subscribe, share button. Hey, one of those websites that you can click on, raceforthepries.com. Top right, there is a red helmet. That'll take you to patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS, and that's where you can say thank you for creating fantasy NASCAR content. And in doing so, I will say thank you to you, and we will share all of these spreadsheets with you that you can manipulate and adjust to help you build better lineups. You're looking at Indianapolis. It's a very wonky, crazy, optimal lineup. If you have forgotten, never forget, folks. Never forget. Indianapolis continues to be... A terrible idea. Indianapolis in Cup Series running the oval, terrible idea. Indianapolis running the road course has been an absolute disaster every time. So I've been two times, but it has been a disaster both times. Hey, go to IRP. Never going to happen. Not big enough. Boy, would it be amazing to see them race at IRP. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Anyway, you remember the race. Everyone barrels into turn one. It just turns into... Nuts, crazy mayhem. At least there wasn't turtles ripping cars apart this season. Instead, it was just drivers ripping each other apart. So you can pretty much just ignore this optimal lineup. Yeah, Watkins Glen has a crazy turn one, but we've been doing that turn one long enough, and there's just enough separation, and there's plenty of runoff. You're going to get a car or two damaged. It happens where we can see a contender or even a pretender sneak through and adjust the optimal lineup. That's everywhere. You're going to see contenders go down. You're going to see pretenders rise up at short tracks, flat tracks, intermediate tracks, plate tracks. That's just the nature of the beast that is Daily Fantasy NASCAR. But Indianapolis, a lot tighter. I mean, there is runoff, but not really. Ask Ross Chastain, how did that runoff work for him? Not so good. Anyway, you got a crazy lineup. I would just ignore that. We'll look more at where guys are running because we're going to try to predict where they will run at Watkins Glen. And their finishing position is not a good indicator. It is not the leading indicator for predicting where they're going to run throughout the Watkins Glen race. There it is. It's your optimal lineup. Do what you want with it in the spreadsheet. And as always, you've got all kinds of notes. This Watkins Glen Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet took quite a while to load on the Chromebook. Chromebooks are pretty good these days. They are impressive, mighty little tools, but this spreadsheet is massive if you've ever used it, and at some point, I start cutting some stuff out of the road course monster. Let's look at the lap by lap, and let's just go through the runs and see, first of all, at Indianapolis, was there much passing, and who possibly was doing that passing, because if we can identify the drivers that are able to overtake cars then they're going to be on the short list of drivers that we want to roster. Seems pretty simple. And if we get through that, then let's try to look at Road America. And if we get through that, which I absolutely doubt we'll make it there, 
as I lose my breath steadily, then we might look at Sonoma. No promises on that one. So I'm just looking at the lap-by-lap -lap data. Uh, real quickly, you just want to see who ran the most laps inside the top five. Always fun to do. Give us a pretty good idea of, uh, you got to learn to sort correctly there, uh, Gallagher. And if you sort correctly, did you watch the truck podcast? If you did, that makes sense. Tyler Reddick, 70 lap. I mean, there's no way of cheating that. There's no way of fluking that. If you are able to maintain position inside the top five for 81% of the race, you are good at road course racing. Your team is good at building road course cars. Everything looks good. Blaney, Bell, Cindric, Almendinger. Those are all names that should be familiar. Elliot, Briscoe, these are guys that we think would be good. Now, we get out of this point, you start to think that, well, you turn 15 laps. That could be pit cycling. It doesn't seem like a lot. It's only 17% of the race. Bo Wallace also ran 41% in the top 10. He's not as good as some of these other guys, possibly. He had a good track position. Didn't quite have good track position. Either way, if you ask me to Bubba Wallace, you know, we go and we see uh, Bubba Wallace. He got the optimal lineup because it was a crazy wreck fast at the end. Bubba Wallace isn't very good. I'm a Bubba Wallace hater. I hate Bubba Wallace. The only reason that he's even got a car is because in 2020 at Talladega. And that's where I'm going to stop you right there. He's better than you think. Come on. We can all agree that Bubba's got some talent. He has exhibited talent in the Xfinity Series, despite never really having the best equipment. When he had really good equipment in the Truck Series, he won races. He was very competitive. Maybe you give him another season in the Truck Series, maybe he wins a championship. Maybe that change changes the whole paradigm, the whole perspective shifts. He just gets on the wrong team at the wrong time in the Xfinity Series. They shut down midway through the season. He jumps up to the cup because he's got nowhere else to go, and he goes to an uh, a poorly funded team, and he struggles, and it creates more. You, you put anyway in the RPM car. Eric Amarola was not good in the RPM car. Everyone agreed he's got talent. You put him in another car, he'll perform better. They put him in a better car at Stuart Haas, and he's performing better. He's now world beater, but that RPM car absolutely was just not good. We know this. Why are we holding that against Bubba Wallace? He's better than you're giving him credit. Does the media hype him too much? Sure. Does the outside of NASCAR media hype him too much? Absolutely. Deal with it. Separate that. Separate the noise. Trust your eyes. And don't just look at the results. Don't just look at the wrecks. Watch him throughout a race. Look at the good points. Look at the bad points. He is, for my money, an above-average driver. Looks like an above-average driver in his numbers. Oh, by the way, when you put an above-average driver in really good equipment, possibly the best equipment that he has ever been in, I guess it's comparable to the truck that he had for KBM when he was winning races. He wasn't running away with the truck series. He wasn't dominating the truck series. Also, that was a much stronger, more well-financed truck series. He was pretty good. And now he's pretty good. The four races in a row with the top ten. Yeah, this was a little fluky. But he also was in a position to take advantage of some of the breaks at the end. I am by no means telling you, Jim and Bubba Wallace, I am by no means telling you that Bubba Wallace is the best road course racer out there. He's not even a top 10 road course racer. 
what I am imploring you to do is just think more about how you approach Bubba Wallace. Now, you've got to do it now. It's probably already too late. Yeah, of course, he's going to have some bad results coming up. And the good results don't completely say that he is a great racer. Can't, can't say that enough that finishing position is not the greatest indicator. So while his finishing position looks good right now, it doesn't mean he is amazing. And he's going to have some races where he doesn't get the result that he deserves. But that also does not mean that he all of a sudden is a bad driver. You've got to learn to balance the two. I have got to learn to balance the two. Right. Let's see who makes some moves during this run. And we just simply follow the colors. As long as you're not colorblind. If you are, then DFS probably not the best thing for you. Oh, we got to get Byron's codes dropped down here. Sorry about that, Willie B. Oh, I remember. You guys remember I messed that up before. Hopefully that fixes the way that I want. If not, no big deal. All right. You guys might remember from the last video me talking about that. Okay. Let's see. Movers and shakers in stage one. Chase Briscoe, third to first in stage one. Good. Great. That's a pass later on. I don't... I'm not going to go as deep as to dive into what exactly happened on lap 12. Well, I will. It's actually just pit cycling. That's how he jumps up. Not too much of a surprise there, right? I'm glad. It's like, oh, man, am I going to have to go into it? On turn 11, Chase Briscoe just drove deeper into the corner. I'm not going to go and do that. Thankfully, it's just a, the old pit cycling, and things are going to flip back on their head. So doesn't really make any moves. Stays where he's at. Ryan Blaney, I don't believe he actually made any moves because we've got the guys in third, fourth. I suppose we're going to see other guys coming down pit road as well. Fourth, sixth, fifth. So you've got five cars that all pit early, and that's why Briscoe goes forward. That's why Blaney goes forward. That's going to give five spots to Byron, basically getting him from around 11th to almost third. He does make these passes on his own. That's impressive. That's strong for the car. Not really probably passing some of the best cars in the series in the back end. Nonetheless, he is demonstrating an ability to get around other cars. Now, they may be inferior cars, but they're not the weakest of the lot. Running in the teens, they're not the worst. These spots here at the end, that's just pit cycling. Pit cycling here at the end, Lagana loses spots. So far, we're seeing Byron making some moves. No, really, anyone else going forward. Chase Elliott, a dynamo when it comes to road courses, just hanging in ninth. Is that because he doesn't have the car? Is that because he's patient and waiting? Is that because it's hard to pass? We'll see on later runs if he is able to make moves inside the top 10 on equal tires. Todd Gillen hanging into his position. Todd Gillen, underrated road course racer, should have won at Bowmanville a couple seasons ago in the truck series, gets wrecked by his teammate John Hunter Nemechek. He then goes on to win at Bowman or at uh, Cota in what starts out as a rain race, I believe it dries out. My memory serves me correctly. Also very good at the short flat tracks. 
like Gateway has a win at Martinsville, although that was a pretty ridiculous Martinsville race, but it got even more ridiculous when he cussed out his owner and told him to stay in his bus and then subsequently was fired two races later. <laughs> I think everything's worked out for Ty Gillen, I guess. Uh, and, you know, people say short flat tracks because of the, the repetition of braking and getting back on throttle, the tight turns, because that's, you know, short flat track like Martinsville. <clears throat> now, Martinsville might be a little bit tighter, but that's all typically road courses are, are flat turns. Now, they're not 180s, but, you know, the heavy braking exists at both. Larson, similar to Byron, making moves in the teens. Kyle Busch, not going anywhere. Harrison Burton, not going anywhere, but not dropping. And you think about Harrison Burton, well, where, where did this come from with Harrison Burton? Well, who had a lot of experience coming into the Indianapolis race? Harrison Burton raced in the Xfinity Series in 2020. He raced at this track in 2021. He has a decent amount of road course experience. And he'll have a decent amount of Xfinity Series experience at Watkins Glen. But the Cup Series drivers have plenty of experience at Watkins Glen. Whereas in Indianapolis, a lot of the Cup Series guys, they've only raced there once. Now, Burton's only been there twice, but he did get to race twice. He did get a practice session. He has more experience. And even if it's not that much, when we go to Watkins Glen, they have a ton of experience. He has some experience. That little bit of edge might have helped him out some. Truex, not really going anywhere. Not going anywhere. A lot of guys may just be impatient out here. Either way, up until stage one, I think it's safe to say we're not seeing a lot of movement from these drivers. Pretty much holding position, leading us to believe that it's hard to pass at a road course. We'll look at stage two, see if some other guys are going to be able to make moves in these short stages. Not really short. Short in terms of number of laps. But long in terms of how long a lap actually runs. Okay. So we recycle. We've got some of these guys breaking into weirdo stages. Ryan Blaney's going to try to do it in a two-top stop strategy. And on much older tires, right? He's got old tires. Who's the next closest guy on fresh tires? See. Well, actually, it's so Bell is probably Bell in eighth place. There might be someone a little closer. You got Tyler Reddick in sixth place, and that seems to be about as close as it gets in terms of pit cycling. Anybody else? Let's see. Tyler Reddick, Bell. So when we restart, they are the closest on fresher tires. Some of these guys are on brand new tires. And then you got Blaney and you got Byron who are on ancient tires. Who else do we have close up here? Uh, you've got Dennis Suarez. And you've got Austin Cindric. Blaney on his old tires. 
holding serve. Byron on his old tires, really holding serve. Um, I would imagine, if I remember correctly, at this point, Reddick is finally able to pass them. And at that moment, Blaney and them, now it could be wrong. It could be Blaney and, Re- and Byron say, well, Byron is going to pit cycle before he gets passed. I believe Reddick had applied a lot of pressure and passed Blaney. And Blaney said, all right, now it's the time. But it's not Reddick, really. It's uh, Bell that takes the lead. And now Bell is going to run alongside. We're not seeing a lot of passing here so far, just just running through this race. Kyle Bush getting through the teens. Seems like you can walk your way through the teens, but you're going to hit a wall. And he's going to stay out. People are going to pit cycle. Bubba Wallace hanging in there. Impressive. There's no cheating this. He's running quick laps. He's hitting his marks. Chase Elliott. Got to work his way back through the field again because he did not pit early. And he makes his way through the teens on fresh tires. And like to see a longer run to see if he can make any much more movement. He's going to again run to the end of the stage break and take the points and not pit cycle. I don't understand that move. I think once you get to eighth, then I would have pit cycled. But they know what they're doing. Ty Dillon. Pit cycles, gets track position, holds on. We got people pit cycling. He moves up. These are not really passes. This is guys just coming down pit road. Either way, he's not losing positions. If Ty Dillon's not losing positions, that really speaks volumes to how hard it is to pass. Getting through the 20s, Denny Hamlin, not really surprised here. These final spots, pit cycling. All in all, I would say there's not a lot of passing that is happening at this race. If I can go further into it, let's see. Let's look at this run. I don't really want to break down the race completely. I just want to see if it's very racy. All right. We take stage three. Reddick making some moves here. But, again, he's facing guys that are on bells on older tires. I think Briscoe is on old tires. Cycle things out. Joey Hand has to pit. Running long. Gets a lap left. How about that? All right. I think this run right here from 64 to 78. 77 is going to give us the best idea of... Everyone kind of being on the same strategy. Some are on a little bit further. Like, look, so we can see here where the color changes. There's where Reddick got tires. Elliott got tires three laps later. Blaney got tires. Almendinger got his tires here. There's Byron, Chastain, Suarez, McDowell. So everyone's kind of on a little different strategy. But before we go and say, it looks like Todd Gillen's going to win this thing or Boy, what an advantage for Daniel Suarez. Yeah, but, and there is some tire fall off, but there wasn't a lot. We saw Ryan Blaney on ancient tires restart next to guys on fresh tires. It really didn't seem to matter. 
And I don't see tires being that big of a deal at Watkins Glen either. We know that Goodyear is going to bring the hardest compound on planet Earth. I would much rather have track position. I would much rather have be the first to have pit and have track position. And we're going to see Reddick start this run in first, finish it in first. Briscoe starts the run in sixth, gets up to second. That's impressive. Looks like much of his gains were on the restart. Probably barreled it into turn one. Blaney loses a spot later in the run. Big mistake. Almendinger working his way up. Byron working his way up. Chastain working his way up. All right. My big takeaway. Hard to pass. What number do I, all right, that's fine. Let's look real quick at Road America. And the Road America, I just want to quickly look at laps. It's actually, so I look at all the finishing position stuff. That can be misleading. Average running position, that's fine. Do I have the real ratings over here for the road courses? This is probably the data that I want to look at the most. Um, I was going through and marking like how many spots guys gained on runs. Just a general idea. But you want to double check this data because, again, pit cycling, different tire strategies, a bunch of different weird stuff happens. So it's kind of hard to really trust this. You really want to go into the lap-by-lap -lap data and see who's making moves, who's making passes. So if we look at this year, and we're just looking at the road rating, real rating, and remember that's look at laps in the top five and average position and laps in the top ten, etc. And I weighed that all out. And so far this season, Chaz, Chaz, Chase Elliott, your number one driver, very strong ratings. Tyler Reddick, though, for my money, has been the best. This is no fluke. He's even got a .54, basically a 20th place real rating at Sonoma. Weighing down this average, a 97 at Coda. That basically, for all intents and purposes, he's a podium driver the entire race. Road America, a podium driver. Indianapolis, better than a podium, just basically leading the show. And a couple seasons ago, Reddick dedicated his offseason to getting better at road course racing because he realized, hey, there's going to be a lot of road courses on the schedule moving forward. I'm not very good at this. If I want to be a professional NASCAR Cup Series driver, I can no longer just be good at a specific type of track. I'm good. I've gotten kind of fortunate in the Xfinity Series, but I've got to get real. I've got to improve my game. He dedicated himself to getting better at road course racing. Oh, by the way, his crew chief has been a very strong road course guy. Look at what his crew chief did in previous Xfinity Series. Uh, Randall Burdett, Burnett. Google him up or just click on him at Racing Reference. Xfinity Series, stats, or I believe I tweeted it out. So you can check out the tweets. So you've got a guy that is setting up Reddick's car that understands road courses. And Tyler Reddick has greatly improved at becoming a road course driver. None of this should be a surprise at this point. So the Tyler Reddick Watkins Glen bandwagon 
it should be filling up. But, you know, we could see another Sonoma situation. Ryan Blaney has been strong. The numbers are there. And he's even got a bad race weighing him down. He's going to be on the short list. Ross Chastain finally had an off race at Indianapolis. But he didn't look terrible in that race. He should be fine. Trackhouse tends to be pretty strong at setting up their road course cars. So much so that they're bringing in Kimi Raikkonen. Former F1 driver. Uh, was he Stuart Haas or was he Alfa Romeo a couple seasons ago? Check out the F1 Fancy NASCAR spreadsheet at racefortheprize.com. You can look that up on your own. Or go to patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS, become a contributor, and uh, you can look at the F1 data, tons of it, and look at Kimi Raikkonen's stats. He's coming in. Trackhouse is so confident in their team. And in their cars, and especially the road course cars, and maybe they've attracted the attention from outside the U.S., and maybe money from outside of the U.S., that they're going to bring a third car to – oh, popped off the screen. Too many data points. That's the sign that we're probably going to wrap this thing up. But, hey, just plant one seed of doubt. How will Trackhouse handle having three cars – I have been a vocal advocate against upgrading or expanding, not upgrading, expanding teams. And I'm always on team downsides. Instead of spreading resources across three cars, how about spreading those same resources across two cars? Dedicating all those resources to two drivers. This weekend at Watkins Glen, Trackhouse is going to run three cars. Are they magically going to expand their operation? Are they suddenly going to hire more engineers? Are they suddenly going to hire more experts? No. More than likely, they're just, now they'll hire, uh, they'll rent tire changers, they'll rent a pit crew, but other things that I don't think necessarily increase with in terms of scale. They're going to say that, oh, no, we can. This can increase. We can scale this up. It's not going to be a problem. They can say that, but we have plenty of NASCAR data that has shown with other teams in the past that these teams don't necessarily scale up for an entire season for even a specific week. I am of the belief that when you add a car, it just stretches things thin. Hey, hey Joe, hey, Steve, hey, Bob. Kimmy's coming over to race at Watkins Glen. we got three cars. Uh, you mind staying an extra hour, two hours, putting in a little bit more work? You wear your people out, you stretch them thin, you stretch your resources thin, you squeeze everything you can out of people. It might work. It might also be a negative and take away from the performance of Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez, who have been quite speedy at the road courses. There's your seed of doubt. There is something to worry about. And that will do it for an early look at Watkins Glen. Hopefully we have talked about the unlikelihood of passing. We have you know, circled around some of the drivers that we like to see and maybe narrowed things down to find some guys to target. Hopefully uh, you got a little bit of help here and I have consumed some of your day. And if you're pleased and happy, satisfied 
with the content that which you have consumed, go ahead and hit that like button at the bottom of the screen. Think about subscribing. I know they say hit the notification. I never hit notification bells. I don't want to be notified. And for whatever reason, those notifications don't come correctly for me. I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, I'm shadow banned. But anytime I ever actually say, you know what, I want to get notified. And then I get an email and I don't even notice the email. So, and then I imagine you only get notifications when you don't want them and they're annoying. So I'm not like notification guy, but you could like and subscribe. That would be pretty cool. And then you leave comments. I respond to the comments. Also go to racefortheprize.com. That's where you find kind of the fancy NASCAR hub, all my information, everything you need to know about. You have the free articles that I do with DK Nation, all the content that is out there. And then if you click on that red button at the top right with the helmet, it takes you to Brandon Cruz DFS. That'll take you to the patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. That's patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. You can throw in a little bit of money, become a monthly subscriber, cancel at any time. And in doing so, we greatly appreciate it. But also, you will gain access to all these fancy NASCAR spreadsheets like this massive road course spreadsheet in front of you. The fact that the data disappeared, which I can fix, it's just a matter of it pulling data from tons of different sources. You won't run into this. This only happens when the thing is not visible yet. When I put this thing live, I change a lot of the formulas so that it's not importing data so that it's all static, so that it runs a lot smoother, so that if you're on your teeny-weeny old Chromebook from 2013 that was refurbished then, that is crying out to help saying, shoot me, no more spreadsheets, shoot me. <clears throat> Once I get the thing up to be live for the subscribers and the Patreons, you don't run into these issues. Now, when it's on the back end and it's not live yet, and still pulling data, uh, you'll run into this. Come on, Chromebook, get your act together. You're not dying yet. You got plenty of years. We don't believe in euthanasia around here. All right, guys, thanks for joining me for the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate your support. Share the videos. Share the content. Use the content. Cite the content. You heard it here first.